As we prepare to hear the gospel and the Old Testament reading today, um, the sermon that I'm about to preach is called The Sacrament of Friendship, and it is part of this sermon series that we're calling The Image of God. It's related to this adult education series that's happening tomorrow that happened last Monday um, about living in a hashtag Me Too world and a hashtag Black Lives Matter world, where we know inherently that we are made in the image of God, and yet we live in a world of brokenness and pain that we see when we look around and recognize that we don't appreciate each other's humanity when we have these movements like hashtag Me Too and hashtag Black Lives Matter. So um, with that on our heart, um, I want to share two stories from Scripture about friendship, There are probably thousands of stories about friendship of two people walking down the same road together side by side, of people helping one another, of people meeting God in one another. And so these are two of my favorite stories from Scripture about friendship. The first is the story of Ruth. It's from the Old Testament, and it's about a story knit together with friendship. Uh, A family lived in a time of famine, and Pretty soon there was not enough food for anyone to eat, and so this family set out to live in a new land where they would be strangers, but they would have something to eat. In this new place, their sons grew up and got married, and they married women who would otherwise have been strangers to them, but they welcomed one another with open arms as family to one another, a cross-cultural family formed. But then disaster struck once more in this family. The two sons and the father all died, and only the mother, Naomi, and her two daughter-in-laws remained. In this ancient patriarchal culture, the women needed each other to seek, they need, and they needed to seek protection of their extended families in order to survive. And so Naomi told her two daughters-in-law, go back to your own families, go back to your mo- mother's house, and Um, live there where you will be able to live in in safety. And so the first daughter-in-law said, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go live with my mother. Uh, Maybe I can find a new husband there in that place. But the second daughter-in-law, Ruth, refused. Um, And when Naomi tells Ruth again, please go home to your family, be with your people and the people um, of your God, Ruth's reply is this scripture reading for today. Ruth replied, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my God. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so, even if death separates you and I. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging Ruth to go. The second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark, and it's about a group of friends who all together find their way to Jesus and find healing and new life. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that Jesus had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even room outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man, carried by four men. 
one on each side. Since they could not get through to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through the roof and then lowering the man on the mat that he was lying on. When Jesus saw the faith of these people, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? Who can forgive but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And Jesus said, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus said to the man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. And so he got up. He took his mat and he went home in full view of all of them. And this amazed everyone there. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Let us pray. God of this holy day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm the oldest child, so when I was born, I wasn't automatically a sister, right? It wasn't until three years later that I became a sister when my brother Ben was born. But it only took about one month, 26 days to be exact, for me to become a friend. See, my parents and Hillary's parents were best friends, so of course we were best friends. We were born in the same hospital, 25, 26 days apart, and for most of my childhood, up until the age of seven when we moved to Indiana, so much of my life was defined by my friendship with Hillary. We walked to school together, we went on vacations together, we went to church together. Her phone number was the first phone number that I memorized other than my home number. Maybe you have a friend like this. My childhood is textured literally by my friendship with Hillary. I can remember the way the fabric on her couch in her living room felt or the bedspread in her bedroom or the beanbag chair in her basement. How anyone had that much time to spend with their best friend is beyond me, but we got to spend hours and hours and hours together. She was, and always will be, my first definition of a best friend. The person who you equally do nothing with and do the most important things with. But there's more. Friends are miracles, gifts from God, and I see that now. I saw this on Twitter this week. Nobody ever talks about the miracle of Jesus having 12 close friends in his 30s. <laughs> Something about that struck a chord with me. Do you have the miracle of 12 close friends that you see every day? Or at least every week? Or maybe every year? Not that any of Jesus' friends were perfect. He needed them to keep watch one night when he was in trouble, and they fell asleep. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied knowing him. Thomas doubted him. Friendship's complicated. 
Maybe you've been betrayed or ignored or doubted by a friend. Friendship sometimes blows up in a mess of drama and gossip. There's backstabbing and fighting. Sometimes friendships cause the deepest wounds and are the most well-worn scars that we have. But a friendship can impact your whole life, body, mind, and spirit. It can be a source of happiness in your life. Friends can know you so completely that stress falls from your shoulders when you're with them. A friend can help you cope with traumas like a big breakup or a serious illness or the death of someone near you. A friend can help you avoid unhealthy habits like drinking too much or smoking. A friend can change your life. A friend might actually literally save your life. In this world of me too, hashtag me too, hashtag black lives matter, we need friends more than ever. A friend is someone who hears your story and believes you. Whether it's a story of sexual harassment or racism, we live in a culture where these stories are often dismissed or shrugged off. Maybe it's that sense that the security guard is following you around at the department store because you're the only person of color for miles around, or that awkward comment at a dinner party that maybe the person didn't mean to come off as racist, but it sure did hurt. Or maybe it's those deeper systemic quiet but not quite obvious impact of being a person of color in America that's part of everyday life. These are the kinds of things that you can tell your friend first and they help you find the courage to tell your story, to be who God has made you to be. Or maybe on the flip side, if you're a white American in the world of Black Lives Matter, you need a friend for that time when you said something that you didn't mean to sound racist, but your friends all tell you that it was. Or that time, or the, the way that you want to be part of the solution, part of the end of racism in America, but as a white person, you know that it will be hard. It'll take introspection and humility and hard work. These are the kinds of things that we need friends for. Someone who can help you have the courage to tell your story, to be who God made you to be. And in the workplace or at school, you need a friend when someone's telling another dirty joke or there's that meandering hand that is not where it should be or that awkward hug that lasts for too long or the something worse that happened behind closed doors. These are the things that you tell your friends first and they help you have the courage to tell your story, to be who God has made you to be. Friends tell us when we're messing up. They tell us to stand up for ourselves. They tell us the truth in ways that we can hear, even if it's a painful truth. They tell it with love. Everyone needs a friend, even Maya. This is her story. It's easy for a parent to want every problem that their child encounters to be fixed. With every setback or stumbling block, it's tempting to turn to an expert, a professional, someone polished and credentialed to help diagnose and detect and identify disease or disorder and fix it, to just make it right, to help your child get better. And it was that way with Maya's parents. 
They knew from the beginning that things were different. Even the earliest photos of Maya with other children would tell you that the other babies were smiling or even crying, but with Maya, she wasn't quite all present. It was a little bit hard to explain. She took a little bit longer to develop, too. By the age of one, she couldn't hold things in her hand or sit up, and she'd only eat out of a bottle. But soon enough, there was a little bit of hope. She learned to crawl and walk and then started to talk. And by the age of five, Maya had clearly bonded with her family and was easily the center of attention around a room full of adults. She could name every dinosaur that she'd ever heard of and entertain adults with freestyle lyrics about gigantosaurus with teeth the size of a banana. But in preschool and kindergarten, she never really had any friends. Around kids her own age, things were complicated. And her parents thought, okay, no big deal. She's just not interested in friends yet. But by first or second grade, any time she went over to someone's house, it was only because the whole class had been invited. And in the meantime, her obsession with dinosaurs turned to an obsession with horse racing. And she could tell you the name of every Triple Crown winner in order since 1919. By fourth grade, out of desperation and boredom, Maya went down the street in her neighborhood, knocking on the doors of every kid her age, asking if they could play. Everyone was busy, or so they said. And then after that, everything turned sour for Maya. She stopped trying to make friends. She stopped reading. She stopped smiling. She would blow up at school. She punched through a window and in came the experts, right? Don't, me, go, don't get me wrong, she needed the experts. She needed that kind of care and love and attention to get to the heart of what was going on. She was diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder. She was briefly hospitalized, but nothing quite made it right. She was never diagnosed with autism, but she had all the classic mannerisms. And nothing, nothing was working until summer camp. At summer camp, she met Charlotte. At summer camp, Maya made a horse racing joke, and Charlotte laughed. Charlotte knew what she was talking about. And the whole week long, Charlotte and Maya talked and talked and talked and talked. If Charlotte tried to change the subject, of course, to something else she was interested in, like Star Wars or Harry Potter, Maya always brought it back to horse racing. But even so, Charlotte stayed alongside Maya, and Charlotte didn't make any excuses about not wanting to play. Charlotte and Maya became friends. After summer camp, Maya and Charlotte found time to be together, and for Maya's 13th birthday, all she wanted was for Charlotte to come over for a sleepover. At one point in those weeks, Maya's mom looked over at Maya and thought something was kind of weird, something was different. Then she realized Maya was happy. For Maya, her friendship with Charlotte changed everything. Maya is no longer getting in trouble at school. She does her homework. Washing her hair or doing simple chores no longer has, is a huge ordeal. She hasn't had one violent incident since Charlotte. BC and AC, they call it, before Charlotte and after Charlotte. For Maya, she didn't need an expert. She needed a friend. For Maya, Charlotte was friend as sacrament. Charlotte was friendship making visible the goodness of God. 
The concept is simple, really. A sacrament is an outward sign, a visible sign of an inward invisible grace. And in the Protestant tradition, we have two sacraments, baptism and communion. In the Catholic tradition, there are five more, confirmation, reconciliation, anointing of the sick, marriage, and holy orders. But for the, one of the earliest theologians who wrote about sacraments, Augustine, he saw sacraments, these sacred signs, these visible ways to understand the invisible qualities of God, he, he thought that the number of possible sacraments in our life was infinite. Not just two, not just seven, but that everything and anything in all creation could be a reflection of God. And so even the universe itself is a sacrament, a sign of God. So I think the Bible is dripping with these sacraments, this sacrament of friendship. Ruth and Naomi find friendship among a broken family. Ruth vows to Naomi, I will be your friend, and I will do whatever it takes to be right there beside you. I will travel to the ends of the earth to be with you. I will go where you go, and I will be transformed enough by this friendship that I will say yes to the God in whom you put your trust. I will cross borders for you. I will go with you. I will go into places where people don't speak my language. I will go into places where people don't follow the customs that I'm used to. That is an extravagant love, a radical friendship. And this paralyzed man from the story with Jesus and his friends who never left him behind. Maybe if his friends had been a little bit less creative or a little bit less committed to their friend, um, maybe they would have just left the paralyzed man there. there. They would have brought him to the door, noticed how crowded it was, and put him down, left him there. He could be part of the crowd, and they could, as able-bodied people, push their way in and, and get a blessing from Jesus themselves. But instead, as friends, they decided to step back and look for another way. And they looked to the roof. It's a little weird. They tear the roof apart. It's kind of extreme. But the story goes that when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw not the faith of the paralyzed man, right, but the faith of all of the friends there together, that is when Jesus healed him. In other words, your friends carry you along the way toward healing. Your friend's faith also can heal you because there will be days when your faith is in the shadows and your friend's faith can be right there with you along the way. Your friends lift you up and carry you to places where you can be face-to-face with God's love. And I've seen you be friends to one another, to our confirmation class. I've known you since you were in fifth grade. I've seen you be friends to one another. And I've seen you pray for one another. I've seen you gather the forces of friendship for the sake of making God's love known in this world. And to Kenilworth Union Church, whether you are a five-year-old child or a young person or facing your 90th birthday, I have seen friendship as sacrament here in this place. 
And so today on Confirmation Sunday, may your friendship bind you together in your faith. May you carry one another into the presence of Jesus, and may friendship be a sacrament for you, a visible sign of God's love here on earth. Amen.